This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program, Warning, with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today's message was recorded April 1st, 2006. Pastor Dr. Michael Hioto shares the message, Sowing and Reaping, the Best is Yet to Come. We now join the Sabbath service as Dr. Hansen relates how death is our final enemy and how he believes that when we get to heaven, that we are all in glorified bodies as if we were in our prime. Now, let's begin. It's never, never a nice time when our loved ones go to be with the Lord. It doesn't matter that that they're with the Lord, it's, we miss them. That's, I, I hope we do. I sure miss every loved one of mine that went to be with the Lord. And if I could always veto it, I would and let them stay with me. And uh, that's normal because we love, we love people and we love our loved ones. And, and uh, I've never, never just been so happy that they're, they leave and never see them on earth again. It's just never been me. Bob, when he went on the be, I still wish Bob was here with me. But, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, we accept God's sovereignty without any malice, but we love our friends and our loved ones, don't we? I think so. That's why death is the last enemy. And it is an enemy because it separates us. So it would be nice when we all have our glorified bodies and we're never separated again. Praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to that day with great anticipation. Give me my glorified body. Uh, this one keeps getting decayed, and I don't like it. And uh, give me that glorified body, and where we'll never, ever see death again, or pain, or suffering, or, or disease, or nothing. It's over. It's defeated forever. I know my father's not doing good. He just had a vision not long ago of, of seeing his sister, one that died years ago in her prime and he saw her, and she, uh, she was just like uh, in her prime. And I believe that when we see each other, people have asked me, how, how do you know what to, uh, where, you know, when people go on to be with the Lord, and maybe they're very old when they go on to be with the Lord, how, what do you think? And I said, well, I personally think that we're going to see our relatives in their prime. That's what I believe. Because in the garden, uh, before death, before disease, before sin, uh, you live forever. I believe Adam and Eve were in their prime. And I believe that's the way we're going to see our relatives. You say, how do I know them? Intuitively, by the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? 
You're going to know your relatives, even if you, you know, you, you only knew them when, uh, like Jeremiah's, uh, if Jeremiah has children, I'll be, a, if, if the Lord tarries, I'll be, a, you know, an old man and I will look older. And, uh, but his children will know me, uh, even though I'll be in my prime, because I believe God will give that intuitively, the Spirit will bear witness. I believe that. I believe we're going to know our relatives, even though when we knew them, maybe they were very old. But you're going to know them intuitively, because I believe they're going to be in their prime, and the Spirit bears witness and knows all things, and there'll be no stranger. And Man, I can't. It's exciting. Amen? We could talk about heaven and wish we weren't on earth any longer, but we're still here fighting the good fight. And we're going to have to fight it a while longer until the Lord returns. But that's a privilege because the Bible says it's a privilege for you and I to fight that good fight. That, that the Bible says the prophets since the beginning wish they were here right now to fight that good fight and usher in the millennium. And so I'm glad we can, we can, we can be in that, la- that last hurrah, the final battles, and we got a lot to do. But I'm excited. I'm excited, and, but I'll be excited when we all have our glorified bodies. Pastor Ty. Pastor Mike's going to be sharing the Word of God today. I'm going to have Pastor Mike come up and praise the Lord. Every time he speaks, he encourages me and strengthens me, and he has a spirit of an evangelist, and we need that. Amen? So whatever comes out is going to be good and be wonderful, and I pray that you would receive that engrafted Word which is able to save your soul. Amen? So, Pastor Mike, God bless you and anoint you as you speak the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Praise God. I am excited. I am excited to share with you today. And uh, I, I, it's just really neat. You know, I have a, a lot of burden and compassion in my heart for all of you, and I'm just going to share my heart with you today. I really am am excited to share with you today, and I want to encourage each and every one of you. I want to share a message of encouragement with you, because, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes from my wife, Tricia, and she said this a couple times, Mike, you know, being a Christian is hard. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and it can be. It can be very hard to crucify your flesh and to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus. And I know many of you have been serving diligently in this ministry, in World Ministries International. Uh, many of you have worked hard, and I know that some of you are in a season uh, where it's, it's difficult. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you need healing. Uh, physical healing. Uh, some of you are going through a, a hard time with your family and, and mourning those who you love. Others are in a season of, of decision, and you're trying to uh, hear from the Lord. Some of you are just beat up, worn out, burnt out, fighting the battle. You've been on the front lines of the battlefield. Uh, and believe me, this ministry, WMI, is a ministry that is coming directly against the kingdom of Satan and really working very hard sacrificially for the kingdom of God. And I know that sometimes, like in a real battle, 
in a real military battle, the front lines are out there, and it's stressful, and it's tiring, and it's hard, and you get beat up. But you know what? Once in a while, the general will bring back his troops, substitute other troops, bring them back to base camp, and you spend some time of eating and sleeping and resting, and you regain your strength. You get strong again so that they can send you back to the front line again, and you can continue to battle and be effective in the battle. I think some of you are in this season now where it's, it's hard, and, and sometimes it can be discouraging, but I'm here to encourage you to keep pressing ahead, to be diligent, to persevere, to, to not lose hope, because the best is yet to come. And we need to remember that God is a God of order. There is always a season of sowing, and there's a season of reaping. And believe me, we have just, just begun. You know, my daughter, Tia, she, was, she did this uh, science project at her school, at Arlington Christian School. And she did her science project on uh, the life cycle of a bean. And she got some bean seeds, and she planted them in different uh, pots, you know, a control group and other things. And so she planted some in fertile soil, and she planted some in thorns, and she planted some in rocks. And, you know, I'm sure you can guess what parable <laughs> influenced her decision to do this experiment. And that alone is another sermon in and of itself. But what I, what I wanted to point out is during this process, we looked at the, pl- the planter uh, pots each day, and day after day after day went by, and nothing grew. And pretty soon, you know, and, you know, her project is coming due. And after 10, 11 days, nothing happened. And she's writing, you know, down her chart, you know, nothing happened. Same, 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 same. And, and finally, I'm like, I lost hope. And I'm like, okay, it's over. You know, so I got some more bean seeds. I put it in wet paper towels, put it on the windowsill for light. And I thought, okay, I'm going to germinate some of these things and help her out. And we'll, you know, I'll bail her out because it's obvious nothing's going to happen. Well, sure enough... A couple days later, her seeds started to grow. <laughs> they started to germinate, and the plants started growing. And uh, it was really, for me, a lesson, and I hope that all of us can remember this, that sometimes when you sow and you work hard, you may not always see the results that you're looking for right away. And really, the, the message here is to not give up hope, to not grow discouraged just because you don't see Maybe all the results that you're hoping for in your own timing. Don't lose heart. The best is yet to come. You see, there is a a season of sowing, and there is a season of waiting, of cultivating the land and, and beating up the hard ground, making it soft, planting the seed, and then watering and weeding and tending and caring. And then there's a season where the harvest comes. There is a season of reaping. Don't give up before you see your blessing. Praise the Lord. And, you know, I, I just want to encourage you because I know we're each going through our own battles. You know, some of us are dealing with pain. I mean, even physical pain in our eyes, in our neck, in other areas, in our leg. And we have to see it through. Let faith arise. And uh, so I wanted to share today, and I wanted to have all of us 
open up to Galatians 6 and uh, talk about some of the conditions for blessing, talk about the, the aspects of sowing and reaping. But I also wanted to kind of tie this to the message we had last week. Pastor Ty shared with us a wonderful message. I hope all of you caught it. He shared from Galatians 3, I believe, where he talked about the purpose of the law. And he talked about modern-day evangelism and how sometimes we could inadvertently miss the most important part of sharing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we never share about sin and the cross, and you know, it's hard to, how many people know it's hard to live a resurrected life? You know, that's a hard thing to do. Well, it certainly is hard if you've never dealt with your sin and if you've never nailed it to the cross and you've never truly been born again and you've never truly have the Holy Spirit dwell within you. Well, all of you know it is impossible to live the resurrected life without taking first things first. And I, you know, I have a heart for evangelism, and I've been caught up in the same burden that we need, the church in general needs to get back to the basic foundations of sharing the word in truth and letting the truth bring conviction to our lives and to other people's lives so that they truly can be saved. And, and this is something that's very important is to, to make first things first. Uh, you know, the, have, you've all heard of the 12-step program, right, for like drug addicts and alcoholics and stuff. And, you know, the, this 12-step program is pretty effective. They've done a good job. I think part of it is because they've based a lot of the foundation of that on the Word of God. The first step of the 12-step program is to basically admit and confess that you got a problem, right? And, and that you can't solve it on your own and you reach out. Like if I were a part of this meeting, if I go to my AA meeting or whatever, I, I would stand up and say to all the people there, hi, my name is Michael Hioto. I am an alcoholic or I am a drug addict. And you know, that's a great place to be. You know, where we finally come to the end of ourselves, we admit that I am a sinner in need of help, in need of being saved. And this is such an important message. We need to have this message in the church so people can truly be saved, be on fire for the Lord, and get to first things first. Because if, if someone does not address their sin, how can they be saved, Right? You know, I had a friend in my Rotary Club, and he was a stockbroker, and uh, he uh, was going through a really hard time. I think this was about four years ago. This was right after 9-11. The stock market went boom and tanked, and he lost a great deal of his business. He was struggling to survive. One of his clients, he told me, had invested $500,000 in high-risk stocks, high yield, you know, high rate of return. But when the stock market went down, her stock portfolio was down to a value of $11,000. And she was not happy. And she was threatening to sue. And all his clients were mad. And he was losing all his business. And he was down in the dumps. And I knew he was not a believer. So I felt this is a great time to witness to my friend. So I took him out to lunch. I spent many hours sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, how God loved him. I, t- I went through every aspect of the, the gospel. 
I felt filled with the Spirit. I felt the anointing of God on me. And so I shared. And finally at the end, I was like, you know what? Would you like today to invite Christ into your life? Would you like to be saved and have that blessed, blessed salvation? And he said, and looked at me in the eye, and he said, no thanks. I'm not ready. I was just like, what? I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, why? What, what would, why aren't you ready? And he goes, well, I just don't believe I'm a sinner. <laughs> I was, well, what about, all, I mean, I just shared with you the, the, what the Bible says, that, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are good. No, not one. And you're going to sit here and tell me you've never lied or you've never done anything? He goes, no, I just don't believe it. And so, you know, I just said, okay, let's, you know, I mean, maybe this now is not the time, but try to remember my words that I shared with you. I prayed for him. I walked down to my car, and I felt very, very dejected. I felt sad. I felt crushed. I felt almost depressed. I mean, I sat in my car, and I'm like, man, I mean, this was just a total waste of time. And, but, the, you know, the Spirit of God came upon me, and God was, was speaking to me and reassuring me that that I was faithful to do what he asked me to do. I was sharing truth. I was sharing and sowing seeds of truth into this man's life. And it wasn't for naught. You know, he began to, to, to show me that, that he was pleased with me, even though I didn't obtain, you know, a successful result. And so, you know, and sometimes... Even as Christians, we get this mindset of doing things in the ways of the world. And if, if it doesn't turn out to be a good, successful win, well, then you're, it's not of God. But, you know, we need to be faithful with what God has called us to do. And let him be working on the person and, and, and realize that it's according to God's timing and not our timing. And I say this because we need to get... Back to doing first things first. You know, it's good to talk about, you know, the message of salvation. And we need to do more of that. But we need to also be bold enough to share the truth so that people can be convicted of sin and repent of sin. It's a very, very important message. I'm getting a little bit off, I think, from my message. But, you know, Pastor Ty's message was so good last week and is so right. You know, I think we all, as, as a body... We need to reach out to other people, but not compromise, not be afraid that they're going to reject me, you know, but to, to really come at the truth and to, to help them walk into the kingdom of God. We need to go about doing our Father's business. That's the most important thing. That's the most important uh, distinction. Um, I want to digress one more point, too. You know, we have been given a pattern, too, of this in the Bible, if you go back to the first church, and when, when the church began, right, the day of Pentecost, when the church began, you know, Peter stood up, thousands of people were saved, they saw signs and wonders and miracles, oh, it was just glorious, the people were so happy, even those who had lack, they, they didn't have lack anymore, because people were generous, they gave, and I mean, they were meeting from house to house, they are fellowshipping and sharing bread, and I mean, they were just you know, obedient to the apostles' doctrine. 
There was no backbiting. There was no accusations. I mean, it was wonderful. It was a time of revival. But how did that happen? And if you remember from Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up, filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And what did he do? He basically lamb-blasted the people. He just, he pounced on them. He shared truth with them. And he ended up saying, it is you who crucified Christ. He accused them that they're the ones. And, And you know what? It was the truth. They did crucify Christ. They're the ones who said, crucify him, crucify him. And you know what? He, he w- did not compromise. He shared the truth. He was right in their face. He confronted them with their sin, and he was poking them. I don't know if any of you have ever felt like this in one of our uh, services, but they just felt like he was poking them in the heart, you know? And you know what they did? They, the word says they, they were cut to the heart, right? And then they said, what, what must we do? And what did Peter say first? Repent, repent, and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the message of evangelism, repent of sin. And you know what? This is the message of World Ministries International. You know, this ministry, we go in and out of nations, calling a nation to repent, Going to leaders, political leaders, church leaders, calling them to repent. Going to the church and going to society, calling them to repent of sin. So I bet you didn't know that this ministry is actually a ministry about evangelism. Probably didn't realize that. But yes, because we are making sure that we do first things first. There's a proper divine order to all things. So let's get back to Galatians 6. I just wanted to just kind of extend Pastor Ty's message from last week. But um, again, you remember uh, chapter 3 was more about uh, the purpose of the law and how, you know, it was to show us that we are sinners, that we cannot possibly fulfill the law in and of ourselves to bring us to the cross. And then Paul talks about uh, faith in the law, living by faith, walking in the Spirit. Then he goes on in Galatians 5 to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then in Galatians 6, he, he talks about really an application of Christian principles. Once we've gone to the cross, which I assume all of us here have dealt with our sin, ask God to forgive us, and we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. We are believers. We are born again. But what do you do now? Well, we, we need to apply these application of principles that Paul talks about. And let's go into verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So here... It, it basically talks about, brother, if you see another brother of yours in sin, you who are walking in the Spirit should restore this person. Restoration here is the same usage as in Matthew 4.21 where James and John were mending their nets. Restoration is a mending. Restoration is, is where you're fixing the, the breach. What has been torn is mended back again. That's restoration. That's what our job is as, as Christians, is to go to your brother who has sinned and go also how? It says, 
We need to go in a spirit of meekness. In a spirit of meekness. Oh, you know, this is very, very important. This is the kind of, of spirit that approaches the other person, not, not with accusations and trying to tear the person, other person down or to already have judged them. This is a spirit that approaches someone with an amenable spirit, with a contrite heart. You see, uh, what, what I've seen a lot in the body of Christ is that people will um, say, okay, well, I've got to do what the Word says. Okay, so the Word says, I've got to go to my brother if they're in sin and rebuke them and confront them. So they'll do it. Oh, you're wrong. You did this, whatever. Uh, you're manipulative and blah, blah, blah. And then, they, okay, well, they didn't, they didn't repent, so I better get a couple other people who agree with me because the Bible says you've got to go with two or three, you know, witnesses. So I'm going to get, uh, you know, Joe and whatever, and they're going to come with me because they feel the same way I do. And then you talk to them and try to land blast them, and then they, oh, well, they didn't repent. They're just way off. You know, but, you know, you might be doing sort of what the words Matthew 18 says, you know, go first yourself and go then with others. But, you know, we've we got to go with the right spirit, Right? With a contrite heart. You've got to not only do the right thing, but you've got to do it in the right way. You've got to do it with the right motivation. You've got to do it with the right spirit, the spirit of meekness. You're not going to destroy. You're going to reconcile. You're going to restore. We're brothers. Let's restore this relationship. And that's the most important thing. And why is this important to not only do the right thing, but to do it in the right way with the right attitude? Well, it says, again, in, in verse 1, it says, uh, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Right? So, I mean, you've got to guard your heart as you try to do this because you could be tempted to sin. Right? A lot of times what I'm saying is people are so, you know, hot and, and, and they go do it. And, and what they're ending up doing is when they're trying to convert their brother in sin, they end up sinning and, and sometimes are way more guilty of sin than the little weakness that they're seeing in their brother. So we've got to guard our hearts and make sure that we're doing it the right way with the right, right attitude. Let's move on to uh, verse 2 here. Uh, uh, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And verse 3 says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives or deceiveth himself. And this is another important aspect. You know, we just uh, did a life group lesson, and I think it was two weeks ago, on the, the attitude of Christ. We need to have an attitude of, of the Lord. And we did a whole course last time on spiritual deception. Now, this is what it talks about here, lest we ourselves be deceived. You know, we don't want to walk through this process, this track of defilement where we go into confusion and identification and other steps, and then pretty soon we're, we're deceived. Because when you're deceived, you will not seek the truth, and you will not listen to the truth. We don't want to be deceived. That's why we need to be so careful when we're dealing with restoration and confrontation and dealing with our brother. And these are some of the conditions for God's blessing. You know, we're all sowing seed right? All the time. What kind of seed are we sowing? And what kind of fruit will we bear? And, and I want to encourage you guys that a lot of us have been sowing good seed. Don't get discouraged because, again, the best is yet to come. 
But we need to make sure we don't get mixed up in, of course, you've heard this over and over, gossip and slander, receiving an evil report. And it's more than just going around gossiping, but even if you listen to somebody else who comes to you, you can be defiled just by listening to it. So that's something we need to get out of so that we can restore relationships with our brothers and then we can have blessing. It's awesome. Don't let pride get in the way. We're going to go ahead and move on to verse 4. It says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. And 5 and 6 says, For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth all things, all good things. So, you know, we're supposed to also bear one another's burdens, right? And we need to bear our own burden. But remember what the word is not saying is we need to make other people bear my burden. <laughs> you know, if you've been called to something or you're, you know, God really made you in a certain way, you know, you don't want to just criticize everybody else who's not like you. You know, if you're an eye or you're an ear, you know, you're part of the body of Christ, be what you are, but don't criticize the other person for being what they are. You know, if you're in, you know, the, the members of the body, Scripture, right? Be, be what you are. Don't criticize others. And, and this is how you can receive the blessing of God. Uh, 7 and 8, verse 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived. Now, this is the second time that Paul uh, mentions here uh, to not go into deception. And this is a, something we've studied a lot recently. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap, or shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. See, sowing here is what you're doing and what you're practicing. Reaping is what you're recompensed for what you, you, you sow. So if we're motivated by the Spirit of God and we're sowing seeds of the Spirit, we will reap spiritual blessing, right? But if we're sowing seed that is of our own self, of the flesh, of our carnal nature, well, what are you going to reap? We're going to reap corruption, right? So we need to continue sowing good seed. Don't give up sowing good seed. Don't give up working for the kingdom of God. And one thing I really thought was funny was Dr. Sedler who taught this course on spiritual deception. They had been just uh, gossiped against and slandered. They were betrayed. They were really down. They were really sad. And, and him and his wife were talking. They're like, man, you know, we might as well just leave the church. And like, yeah, 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 I know. We should just, we probably should just leave the church. I mean, this is so terrible. And yeah, this, I mean, this is so bad. We, we might as well just not be Christians anymore. And then they looked at each other. And they just start laughing. How ridiculous that was, right? But how sometimes we let, you know, just our circumstances overwhelm our, you know, just everything. And we've we got to remember uh, not to do that. We are sowing good things. We must not be, let the enemy defeat us and, and prevent us from reaping in what we have, have sown. You know, there will be a day of reckoning even if it's not on earth. Now, this principle of sowing and reaping, I believe strongly that when we are in God's order and we are sowing, we will reap. 
even though it may not be immediate because, you know, there's a season for all things. But if we continue to sow good, we will reap good, even here on earth. I, I mean, Luann and I know that as being dentists. You know, all of our colleagues, a lot of them are not Christians, but we all sowed eight years of our lives studying hard, working our tails off, getting through dental school, and, uh, and we're all benefiting the fruit of our labor. There is, there is God's order. There is, you know, a, a sowing and a reaping. So it will come. But I'm here to tell you, let's say even worst case scenario, it never did come. Let's say it didn't come. You know, we're still to sow good seed, right? I mean, we're still to go about doing our father's business, whether we see success or not, right? Because let's say you just, all you did is you worked really hard, you sowed really hard, and then you died, right? Well, you're with Jesus Christ. You've got eternal life. The glory that awaits us is, I mean, nothing. This light affliction we have here, like Paul said, doesn't compare to the glory that awaits us. His grace is more than sufficient for us. And that's worst case scenario. You know, of the normal is, you know, you're not going to die tonight, hopefully, or tomorrow. But you'll live your life, and you'll reap what you have sown. So it is the right thing to do. And, and in that vein, we're going to finish up our scripture with verses 9 and 10. It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So right here we have in the word this confirmation. Don't, don't be weary of doing good. Don't get burnt out, depressed. Don't walk and wallow in self-pity and let your circumstances prevent you from getting your eyes off the prize on Jesus Christ. The best is yet to come. It's not the time to give up. We must not grow weary. And we all know intellectually what the word says, right? Oh, God will rise us up on eagle's wings, right? We will not grow weary. We will not faint. God will give us the strength. He will give us the increase. But we need to appropriate that by faith. You know, when you're going through a difficult time, when you're sick, when your family's sick, when your children are sick, when you know that God says he will heal, and then he doesn't heal immediately, well, we must not give up. When you've got pain in your eye, in your neck, and in your leg, well, you must not give up because God's word will stand forever. Maybe this is a season. Maybe there is a reason. Maybe you'll never know the reason. But you got to continue to do good, to sow good. Don't give up. Don't give up. What did Winston Churchill say? Never, never, never give up. Don't give up. The best is yet to come. You know, we need to, you know, I mean, like Paul and Silas, you know, they got beat up. They got thrown in prison. What did they do? Did they just kind of faces glum? Oh, yeah, well, here we go again. Murmuring. No, they didn't do that. 
They praise God, right? They're praising him. They're worshiping. Everyone in the jail heard them praising God. They're wondering, what is with those guys? How come they're not down in the dumps like all of us? Well, let's, let's get our mindset. God loves each and every one of you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He's heard your prayer. He knows the desires of your heart. He wants to give you blessing. Your season is coming. It's right there. It's so close. Stick it through. Don't give up. The best is yet to come. Praise the Lord. I know sometimes it seems like the enemy is is everywhere. He's just at you. And we know the word, you know, when, when the enemy comes in as a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. We know that no weapon formed against us should prosper. We know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We have every confidence knowing that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We must not grow weary. We must not faint. We must not give up. But remember that what God has for you. You know, have we forgotten? World Ministries International, right? Some of us have been beat up. Some of us have been betrayed. So we're wondering, you know, uh, what, what's going on? What's going to happen? But we know what God has already said. You know, what did God say? Well, speak the truth and my people will back you. The word of God. What did he say, right? He shared these words. He said that some of the people who have left this ministry will one day come back and be your bread and butter. Now, I wish Brother Ron were here because I remember clearly the vision that God gave him. A vision of a WMI van pulls up, doors open, bagfuls, big giant uh, garbage bagfuls of money as a support came in for our ministry. Have we forgotten these things? Huh? No, the best is yet to come. We ain't get, got started yet. We must be encouraged. We must look to the Lord. Do not forget. Oh, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. So I just want to encourage all of you. God is not angry at you, okay? He's not condemning you. He's not hanging you out to dry. He has not left. You don't have to say, oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's there. He's there for you. He loves you. He wants success for you more than you do. And we just need to continue to meet his conditions. All these things that we've talked about in the life group uh, this last week, you know, the, the conditions, the keys to receive blessing. The week before, the attitude of Christ. Our Bible school, spiritual deception. We know all these things. We've got the knowledge. We need to just... Walk it out. Don't lose heart. Let the fire of God well up in you. Praise the Lord your God. Worship him with all of your strength, all of your mind, knowing that he has your best interests in mind. I remember one time when, and this was years ago, uh, I think it was two, two years after I got saved, and I just felt like God was calling me to go into ministry. And I was a dentist. I, I, I just wasn't... I was thinking, well, if I go into ministry and I don't do dentistry, then, you know, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to pay my mortgage? You know, oh, we're going to have to suffer, and it's going to be really bad, and it's going to be really hard. And, and I took a walk, and I sat down, there, and I was th- down in the Kirkland area, which is usually a busy place, 
and there was no one there. And I just sat down, and I just started to throw a pity party, feeling sorry for myself. And I looked down, and I just was thinking, Lord, what's going to happen if I go into ministry? What's going to happen to me and my family? And I looked around. All of a sudden, I was surrounded by all these sparrows came flying down. They're just all around me, just quietly. And all of a sudden, I just knew that God was speaking to me, you know, from the scripture passage that, you know, these sparrows, they don't worry about what, if God's going to provide to them, right? They just wake up in the morning, they go about their day, and God feeds them, takes care of them. You know, we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat and drink and what we're going to wear and this and that. God will provide if our trust is in him. See, the key to receiving our blessing is having trust in God, right? And this is what it's all about. You know, I'm, I'm going to get ready to close here. But I wanted to close with a um, special story. I shared this briefly with Pastor Tom and Pastor Hansen a few days ago. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. <clears throat> but I'm hoping that from now on, whenever you look down and see this object, that you'll remember that the best is yet to come, that that. There is value in continuing to do the Father's business and sowing good seed. Don't grow weary. Don't give up, okay? There was a young woman who had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and had been given three months to live. So as she was getting her things in order, she contacted her pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. She told him which song she wanted sung at the service, what scriptures she would like read, and what outfit she wanted to be buried in. Everything was in order, and the pastor was preparing to leave when the young woman suddenly remembered something very important to her. There's one more thing, she said excitedly. What's that, came the pastor's reply. This is very important. The young woman continued, I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. The pastor stood looking at the young woman, not knowing quite what to say. That surprises you, doesn't it, the young woman asked. Well, to be honest, I'm puzzled by the request, said the pastor. The young woman explained, my grandmother once told me this story, and from there on out, I have always done so. I have also always tried to pass along its message to those I love and those who are in need of encouragement. In all my years of attending church, socials and potluck dinners, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew something better was coming, like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie, something wonderful and with substance. So, I just want people to see me there in that casket 
with a fork in my hand and wonder what's with the fork. Then I want you to tell them, keep your fork. The best is yet to come. The pastor's eyes welled up with tears of joy as he hugged this young woman goodbye. He knew that this would be one of the last times he would see her before her death. But he also knew that the young woman had a better grasp of heaven than he did. She had a better grasp of what heaven would be like than many people twice her age. And with as, twice as much experience and knowledge as her, she knew that something better was coming. Now at the funeral, people were walking by this young woman's casket and they saw the pretty dress she was wearing and the fork placed in her right hand. And over and over, the pastor heard the question, what's with the fork? And over and over, he smiled. During his message, the pastor told the people of the conversation he had with the young woman shortly before she died. He also told them about the fork and what it symbolized to her. The pastor told the people how he could not stop thinking about the fork and told them that they probably would not be able to stop thinking about it either. He was right. So the next time you reach down for your fork, let it remind you ever so gently that the best is yet to come. Friends are a rare jewel indeed. They make you smile They encourage you to succeed. They lend an ear. They share a word of praise. They always want to open their heart to us. Show your friends how much you care. Remember to always be there for them, even when you need them more. For you never know when it may be their time to keep your fork. Cherish the time you have and the memories you share. Being friends with someone is not an opportunity, but it is a sweet responsibility. I hope you can remember that. You know, this morning, uh, Tamara was sharing a word with our worship team. She really had on her heart, by the Spirit of God, uh, that we need to really walk into a season of encouragement. And so she spent some time encouraging us. She didn't even know that I was preaching today. And my message and the burden on my heart was one of encouragement. And in fact, she, she shared about how precious life is. And you know, what if, what if we had a terminal disease? And what if tomorrow you're going to be gone? How would you live your life differently? How would you approach the relationships that you have? We need to know that the best is yet to come and live every day like it's our last day. That's what she said to me this morning and and to our worship team. And I took that to heart because we are all special. God loves each and every one of us. You only got one day today to live. Live it to the full. Live it with love. Go about doing the Father's business. Sow good seed. Stick with first things first. Don't be afraid if non-Christians are going to reject you when you confront them with your sin. Because you never know that that may be the seed that's going to bring them into the kingdom of God. 
Let us not lose hope. Let us not get discouraged. Let us not sit around in self-pity with a glumness on our face and in a spirit of oppression dragging us down. But let's be encouraged. We serve a miracle-working God. We serve a God who is Lord of lords, and he is King of kings, and nothing can compare to the glory of our destiny in him. Let us never, never forget. Let us always, always never give up because the best is yet to come. You know, when we have our altar time, I would like those of you who are struggling with whatever, with uh, stress, with uh, discouragement, with decisions that you're making, with healing, with mourning, uh, with sadness, with grief. Uh, maybe you're just burnt out, burnt out of doing ministry. And I'm not talking about just all of you. I'm talking also to you pastors and you pastors' wives. Let's give it to God. Let's look past our current circumstances and know and trust in the living God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, God bless you. And remember, the best is yet to come. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now sit back and enjoy as international worship leader and personal friend, Dr. Jonathan Hansen and World Ministries International and resident of Jerusalem, Israel for 33 years, Roy Kendall ministers to us in song, Hodu, Ladonai Ki Tov, give thanks with a grateful heart. Lord, as we wait on you today, we come before your presence, just as your word says, with thanksgiving in our hearts, into your courts with our praise. Right now, Lord, we desire more than anything else to be with you, to wait on you, where you renew our strength. So we come with thanksgiving in our hearts. Perhaps the oldest song known to mankind is found in the ancient scripture, Hodu Ladonai Kitov Kileolam Chasto. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. These words have been sung by marching armies across the land of Israel. And yet sung also by little children, praying grandmothers. Hodu Ladonai Kito. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Hodu Ladonai Kitov Ki Leolam Leolam Chasto Hodu Ladonai Kitov Ki Leolam Leolam Chasto Hodu Ladonai Hodu Ladonai Ladonai kito ki leolam leolam hasto. Oh, do Ladonai kito.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.